Hi everyone and welcome to SAMA. SAMA is a program where we invite an expert to talk about their area of expertise. This week we're lucky to have Fabrizio Deltin with us. He's going to talk to us about the Rife machine and how they truly work. Now Fabrizio is a Rife researcher at the EU University in Italy. He comes from a technical background and he excels in many fields, including investigative journalism, demosology, chemistry, music, and music therapy. After decades of devoting his time to Rife research, he has decided to he has decided it is time to disclose recent discoveries in the field of Royal Rife. As you may well know, in the 1930s, Royal Raymond Rife could observe viruses live with a special optical microscope at still unsurpassed magnifications. He further developed a beam ray device that destroys the pathogens by targeting their chemical constituents. And in this episode, Fabrizio is going to reveal how Royal Rife's machines worked. So welcome, Fabrizio, to our show. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I am happy to be here to be able to talk of these findings. So uh, I prepared a presentation and we will walk through it and uh, we will discuss and see uh, what we are doing. Wonderful. Now, this is very exciting, everybody, because Fabrizio has actually discovered how Royal Rife's machines work. When Royal Rife was making his equipment, he found frequencies and settings that worked, but he didn't truly understand the science, really, why it worked. And so this is why we're all so excited to hear what Fabrizio say. Yes, indeed, we think... Uh, Rife used uh, all uh, the instruments available at his time, but uh, there was not so much progress that he could measure the things he was seeing um, in an objective way. He resorted to the MOR, uh, mortal oscillatory rates, but uh, we find uh, this was only a way of representation, it was not uh, the real working principle. So now I will start the presentation. So why did we choose a prism as the first uh, picture? Because we have to understand uh, every Rife machine was directly connected to his microscope they were working in a tandem. Uh, we cannot think uh, separately about them if we don't understand how his microscope was working. We cannot understand how his machine was working either. So here we have a prism and uh, we see it separates light. The Rife microscope was uh, uh, working as a sort of monochromator, uh, which means uh, it was splitting uh, the color of light and uh, he was uh, steining uh, a microbe under his micro microscope just one, with one single wavelength. That's remarkable. So he could 
use a single wavelength and see the changes in the in the amplitude of that wavelength is this how he was using the prism system yes uh, let's see uh, in full light uh, you cannot see the phenomenon um, because uh, he was using refraction uh, his microscope was basically a, a polarizing microscope uh, using for uh, like petrographic research and those are uh, refracting microscopes. This means you input uh, a high wavelength and the output is a lower wavelength. This was what uh, allowed life to observe live a microorganism uh, which normally cannot be observed because it falls much higher in the spectrum. I understand. Uh, so his machine had to be able to produce the same spectral content of the microscope in order to shatter the, the microscope. Uh, I'm sorry, the microbe. Yes. We will see this in detail, how it works. So now let's go to the first slide. What is Rife Lab? Well, initially, uh, Rife called uh, his uh, lab the Rife Lab. Later, as he was having problem uh, problems with justice, uh, he wanted to keep a low profile, and the name was changed to Life Lab. Uh, actually, we wanted to give a tribute to Rife research and we are continu continuing into his research and that's why in our e-university which is a no-profit uh, foundation uh, located in Italy we decided to uh, open a branch and title it Rife Lab and there we conduct uh, experimentation uh, our pathogens uh, and uh, we just confirm uh, uh, what he was doing and uh, and now I can say we went a step really farther because we, we could identify all his uh, exact uh, uh, frequencies and, and so we can build uh, some uh, plasma tubes which can broadcast the entire spectrum of his uh, frequencies at once. So we, we are at a point we don't need any more to have a, the mores for a more list. Now this is beyond exciting everybody because what Fabrizio is saying is that he's discovered really the basis of how Royal Rife's machines worked. And I guess you'll be going and explaining how to replicate his results, or hopefully you will do later on in this presentation. But an understanding is fundamental, because with understanding, then you can improve, or you can at least replicate. So yes. very, very exciting. Uh, we won't go into so much detail, because it would be too technical, but we will give the general background, so people can understand, uh, I think for the first time, uh, this phenomenon. 
And of course, uh, we expect uh, it shakes uh, the Rife community because uh, I will be saying things which are against uh, common understanding. Uh, but in the true, we want to add, not to subtract. So uh, we think uh, we, we are just adding the missing link that makes a Rife machine work uh, how it should be in one shot or in a few minutes. Yes, yes, as it was historically recorded. Now, there's nothing wrong with uh, sh uh, shaking the cage, so to speak. It's hard to argue with science. And so if you've got facts to back up what you're stating, then this is extremely exciting. Yes, it is. So the lab, at the uh, university, uh, led by me, Fabrizio Deltin, is dedicated to the study and further development of RIFE work. Who was Raymond Royal RIFE? Well, we can find a lot of information depending on which websites you are looking to. Uh, trying to summarize, he was a contested American researcher who developed a high magnification optical microscope and a machine that could devitalize microorganisms. We said contested because, uh, as everybody is aware, you just need to look uh, on Wikipedia uh, and it does not give a good image of Rife. They no. say he is a pseudo scientist which means uh, he used a fake science and that's not what we feel and we can prove uh, what he was really doing. His work never went from the lab to the masses despite some preliminary tests on human beings were conducted. This we have also to recognize because uh, uh, Rife always said my work is very initial and uh, much more work has to be done. Mm. Uh, mostly he worked in vitro. Uh, this means uh, behind uh, his microscope. Applications on actually uh, animals or uh, humans were very limited. Of course, yes, he was using many rats uh, and conduct conducting uh, biopsies. Uh, but that's a little different from going to a real production uh, on living people. Mm. Uh, we had evidence, you know, the extraordinary success he had uh, in the what was it, uh, 1938 clinic, uh, when he healed uh, many patients. It was much speculated, did they all have cancer? No, they did not have uh, cancer, everybody. Some had is issues with their eyes or other things. So we don't have a clear record or a, a clear number of how many patients had actually cancer and 
were healed. Uh, second thing, at that time, uh, you did not have really anesthesia, so you could not split a person, take uh, a sample, and determine uh, if uh, his machine was working or not. So what was the praxis at his time? They just found found uh, um, outstanding uh, cancerous tumors, which were external. They could see them, measure them by sight. Mm. Uh, they did not need to use surgery to go inside the person. So uh, healing something which is outside, it's much easier because it's like using the microscope, putting a slide under the microscope. The beam from the beam right is very direct. It reaches straight to the point. Instead, if uh, he, he were to deal, for example, with a real lung cancer, which is inside, deep inside in the body, uh, shielded by the ribs. Uh, so the, we have no track record of this and uh, it's very doubtful his array could go through the bones, actually. I believe that he did some test on horse meat. Yes, and I remember his, that. And he's testing penetration there. But uh, the problem, of course, with Royal Rife is a lot of his documentation was destroyed. Yes. And, and so we lost a lot of goodness from that. But in the truth, um, there is a mix of effects. Uh, so uh, even if uh, one does not work, which is the one which uh, is very quick to destroy microorganisms, mm. there are other means which are slower but can reach deeper into the skin okay so we will see everything so as a result of a modern revival many have followed into his footsteps but his secrets remain buried in his grave as nobody could replicate his track of records till recently i say this because many talk about great results uh, and healings from rife machines but uh, there is no uh, scientific protocol or or testing which was done so we can accept those stories but uh, scientifically we don't have a clear evidence uh, and everybody will recognize uh, rife machines do help uh, can help prolong your life uh, without pains many times uh, it can alleviate uh, the symptoms but there is a point when the illness usually hits back with uh, a higher strength and there is nothing to do anymore uh, so it works like uh, helping uh, increasing self-defenses, uh, getting a few months, maybe some year more of life, but it does not solve what Rife was claiming, 
which is complete the, the structure of microorganisms, which also means complete healing. We have to discriminate between those two, two things. Okay. Now, from rifle research, a lot of uh, lists came out. People did not un understand exactly how it was supposed to work. So we find uh, really expanded uh, lists which are sold also on the market. To name a few, uh, somebody says it can heal my broken nail, my insomnia, my allergy, my asthma, my fibrosis, my flat and may come up in your mind. Mm. In the true, uh, for a strictly point of view, well, don't forget we do rife research, so we keep to rife. We don't, uh, we are not analyzing the bigger picture in this moment. So, uh, well, other things might work also. But uh, strictly from a rife point of view, uh, there is a big no. He was not dealing with those things. Rife only dealt with a limited number of severe pathogens. And we have the lists of those. They are very few microorganisms. So we keep strict uh, to those ones. Okay. Uh, actually, the image in the background is showing uh, one's uh, bowels. And uh, in the middle of it, we see a cancer. So, Rife identified a virus associated with breast cancer and targeted it with his machine. Uh, actually, he was choosing uh, uh, ulcerated pieces of breast cancers and he was extracting samples from there, which means a cancer which uh, burst outside of the person externally, he could see it, there were fissures, and he could take live sam samples directly from the person without needing uh, uh, surgery again uh, to go inside and and find it. Okay. Anyway, he stopped short of claiming that he could cure cancer, but he did argue that he could devitalize diseased organisms in living tissue, with certain exceptions. Now, <laughs> this sentence is very deep and. Uh, it summarizes his entire work. Uh, a rifle machine can do a lot. It cannot do all. And it has severe limitations. Uh, so we need to be aware of those limitations. And that's also our study. Uh, how to minimize uh, uh, those limitations and maximize uh, the result. result. Electrotherapy, radionics, 
frequency resonance, what were rife machines really about? In one word, none of the above. Now here I take the, the description from Wikipedia where they defined, um, they defined uh, rife uh, instruments as electrotherapy and radionics. That's completely um, misunderstood. I will expand also, we have another very good instrument which is called violet ray, ray or violet wand and they classify it as an electrotherapy device. Well, if you use it uh, in contact with the skin, it just transmits current. So it is a, an electrotherapy device, but uh, you would not need uh, a plasma electrode. You could just use a, a strip of copper and put it <laughs> On the skin of the patient. Right. Uh, I so said you could use an electrode which is not of plasma. Uh, you could use a gel electrode or a copper electrode or anything like that. So why using a, a plasma tube? Well, I think we are among the first who measured the uh, spectrum of uh, a, a violet ray, and we found some wavelengths which are very similar to the one used in the early Rife machines. Uh, actually, uh, in an age when uh, antibiotics still did not exist. You didn't have any way of healing from very, very simple illnesses. Uh, a violet rye could, could be used as a sterilizer because uh, it had, uh, it produced the UV ultraviolet light and this could, could uh, kill the germs where you were applying it over the skin. So this is just to mention an example that Wikipedia and the general scientific community takes it completely wrong. They saw only a part of the machine and uh, they lost the big picture and what else the machine could do and could produce. Okay. So, RIFE devices are currently classified as a subset of radionics devices, which are generally viewed as pseudo-medicine by mainstream exp experts. This is due to the fact that only post-RIFE devices were examined. Examples are Phil Hoyland machines, John Crane pad devices, Vern Thompson's machines, John Bear system, etc. Nobody has ever examined early Rife machines. The only ones that passed successfully clinical trials and worked according to Rife's original tenets. We know that 
since Hoyland made his tube version of a Rife machine, uh, Rife was very skeptical. He said, it does not abide to my tenets. Uh, then it should, it, he saw it was somehow working. Somehow we know from records that half of the time it was working, half of the time it was not. Right. They were attributing to it uh, a difficulty to stabilize the voltage. Uh, they say the voltage swing was affecting the output and uh, the machine was not working in, in a reliable way. And they find a lot of excuses, but they never fixed this. Uh, we have the certainty that only early Rife machines were working uh, according to Rife's initial tenants. Okay. Now, we put a disclaimer because we seem <laughs> to go against the entire world. So we are not against modern rifle machines. Uh, I have to pull this down. Which were inspired by rifle but went through other paths of research. And an outstanding example is Anthony Holland, who is investigating cancer cell shattering through an improved bear device. And indeed, he is outstanding results. However, to abide to rife principles, a machine needs to clear off a pathogen in a single flash or within maximum three minutes using a particular mix of concurrent effects. No current modern rife machines can claim that, and it normally takes hours to achieve any minimal effect. Uh, it may bring some temporary relief, but it cannot achieve its goal in the long term. We can see, uh, for example, uh, Anthony Holland's uh, track of record, and he's exposing his uh, cultured cells for hours, hours, even days. So he might well be, uh, he might well have found uh, an interesting new path of research, but Rife was not uh, keeping his samples uh, 24 hours before seeing an effect. Right. Can I ask you a question, Fabrizio? Yes. In one of the Rife lab videos, it shows Royal Rife turning on a plasma machine and turning it off straight away. It must be less than a second. Was that a split film or was it truly an instantaneous application of a frequency? Then returning to his slide, his microscope, and observing his pathogens immobilized. Okay. Uh, yes, we could duplicate uh, uh, the vitalization just in one shot. Uh, if you have the correct uh, energy level, you don't need to wait. Uh, it really works in one shot. That's, that's very exciting. So what you're saying is that currently rife machines are killing microbes through boredom 
rather than through the right mythology. Uh, I'm sorry, I did not get... Well, if you've got the frequencies being applied for hours, they're going to be dying of okay. boredom rather than through frequency resonance or any sort of power transfer. Uh, power transfer? <laughs> okay. Well, um, no, I'm not able to uh, answer because my English is not so <laughs> perfect. Okay. So, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I cannot follow exactly what you, you mean. Well, it sounds very exciting what you're saying, so we'll, we'll move on from, from here. Okay, so let me continue. I apologize, apologize also if I have a terrible Italian accent. <laughs> well, I, I apologize in advance for my terrible New Zealand accent. You, <laughs> your English is great and you're doing well. Everyone can understand you, so please continue. Okay. So, did Rife have a secret? Why could nobody replicate even Rife's later assistant, John Crane, the effects of the original earlier Rife machines? Did earlier Rife machines really produce the climate wonders or was it all hype? Now we start with some more technical background. Uh, many think uh, uh, the effect is due to some form of resonance they describe like uh, the singer who is singing a high note and breaking a glass because it enters in resonance with the, the note uh, sung by the singer. Uh, many talk about uh, possible harmonics and say maybe we don't know the correct uh, frequency but uh, if we go up some uh, harmonics uh, maybe we hit the right one mm. so uh, we have to to say a word <laughs> about this the dimensions of the bx which was called the cancer virus, vary from 40 nanometers. The size of its head starts from 24 nanometers to about 10 micrometers. So we know Rife was targeting chemical constituents. Chemical constituents mean molecules. Uh, even if we consider uh, that, uh, for example, uh, the capsid of a microorganism uh, was uh, mainly constituted by a certain constituent, so we take it as a whole uh, and we get uh, a much bigger size. Uh, we are still below the 40 nanometers or, or 24 nanometers. Uh, if we talk about molecules, then we go much, much, much smaller. So, if we convert the wavelengths of 10 to 2 micrometers to frequencies, I reduce the number because 
I'm saying uh, a capsid does not contain only a single molecule. It contains a mix of uh, chemical constituents. So I'm taking a smaller fraction just in case. So we have from 29.9792458 beta hertz to 149, etc. terahertz. So we see there is no way to use even the highest more of earlier Rife machines, uh, which was uh, one megahertz and 600 kilohertz to hit a petahertz, simply they are too distant. Why is that? With a square wave or a triangle wave, every time uh, you get a higher harmonic, the power becomes a half. So uh, if you have such a distance um, and every time you have the power, you end up with zero power. So that's why there is no way that uh, a, a more, a mortar oscillatory rate or uh, audio or radio frequencies can have any form of impact over uh, the designs of the microorganisms in terms of resonance. That's in terms of the Hertzian resonance. If we're looking at longitudinal resonance, we're talking about cellular mass and the response of the mass, which is pretty much analogous to shaking. Yes, yes, it has shaking effects. Now uh, we will explain that better also. Okay. Uh, okay, anyway, even using harmonics, it's impossible to have such a power to go from a megahertz to a petahertz. Thus, we can exclude any form of resonance. In the next slide, we see uh, what is a rotational transition, a vibrational, what we were saying before, shaking the microorganism. Yes. Now, uh, if we shake uh, a microorganism with an audio frequency or radio frequency, it's like having an earthquake, uh, a very deep earthquake under the earth, uh, which is shaking all the streets, buildings, uh, and uh, ants, people, animals, anything. <laughs> okay, they are shaken, but they survive, mm. unless uh, um, a wall falls on, on, on their head. No? Okay, but okay. shaking can produce a standing wave, surely, a percussion standing wave in, in an iron channel. Of a cell. Yes, but standing wave. Uh, I also study semantic. Yes. And uh, a standing wave in that distance um, is unlikely to hit uh, um, in the nodal point the 
exactly the microbe. Uh, you need uh, uh, a much much shorter net of uh, standing nodes to have an impact. Now, uh, the electromagnetic spectrum ranges from uh, from uh, audio frequencies, from what we hear, to microwaves, to vision. We have to say that vision and uh, uh, hearing are uh, two organs we have which detect the same uh, effect in nature, which is electromagnetism. Uh, when we go up to the spectrum, uh, you see below at microwave levels, we have rotational transitions. Microwaves effectively can cause the rotation of water molecules. And that's why when you put your food in a microwave, it heats up, it builds up through, uh, we can call it a rotational reson resonance. Okay. When you go higher, now you approach the far infrared and infrared. You don't have only rotation, you have always also vibration and uh, transition. What does that mean? Uh, the microorganisms does not only start to circle around, but starts to shake really. And here we are close to the uh, visible uh, area. We are very far from uh, audio frequencies or Morse. So that's why we say Rife uh, might have had a secret because uh, uh, Morse were not the real uh, uh, secret or cause of uh, the vitalizing the microorganisms. There was something more. Now, when you reach the visible and you go up to the UV, ultraviolet by ultraviolet, you see electronic transitions, vibrational fine structure. What does this mean? Fine structures are exactly the chemical constituents of microorganisms. It's not anymore the earthquake shaking anything uh, in the next uh, 30 miles. Uh, you are operating at the microorganism level. You shake directly the sites and you have a resonance directly with the microorganism. And there is more. Uh, ultraviolet also causes electronic transitions. This means Rife was saying, I target the chemical constituents, I target molecules. If you have an electronic transition, this means the molecules change their structure, uh, change their chemical uh, formula, make new compounds and instantly the the, the capsid, 
disintegrates because uh, the bonds between the molecules are severed. Mm, that's interesting, but that's quite dangerous energy levels, surely. Yes, it's quite dan dangerous, but we will see the entire story, then we will be able to judge better. Okay. Okay, the beam Rai machine. Rai called his machine beam Rai, not frequency instrument. Beam and Rai all refer to wavelengths, not frequencies, which fall much lower in the electromagnetic spectrum. A beam array uses very high power levels, unlike modern replicas, as it can be witnessed by the electrons sputtering in the image at the right where the beam exits the glass. Now I will move here a little, okay. Now, in this original beam ray, first you notice the electrodes are very, very close to each other, uh, which means uh, you need less power uh, and you can concentrate the energy in a much smaller spot. Now, uh, bring me a modern Rife machine uh, where you see actually a beam exiting the glass. The most I have seen is a beam between the two electrodes, making like a, a straight line. But I never saw the action that uh, Rife described of a mirror, uh, which uh, forces the beam to exit perpendicularly out of the glass. In this image, you see it very clearly where the beam is exiting the glass because there is electrons sputtering and uh, also the, the vitrification. The glass changes a little its structure because of the uh, intensity of the beam. So this gives an idea of what Rife was really doing, which is a little different from modern machines. If you look at the orientation of the electrodes, it's hard to see how the beam could exit at that point through the angle of incidence. Uh, not really. You see the upper uh, disc, which is bent uh, approximately uh, 45 degrees. And straight uh, on the left, you see the brown spot. And that's where, that's how the mirror acts. You see some, a, a black spot uh, on the bottom also because uh, that's the alignment of the two electrodes. So some, uh, some beam was uh, escaping uh, one of the electrodes and hitting there too. We don't have to forget that uh, this uh, plasma globe was made by hand. You see electrodes, they are not professional, they are bent by hand, so they have a, a tolerance uh, which is high, so it's not very precise. And the documentation which is readily available today 
they generally purport to the rifle machines not being that powerful. And in fact, Royal Rifle was quoted, whether it's true or not, as stating that high powers are not necessary and indeed may be dangerous. Because it's hard to, of course, know what is the true source and legitimate information and what has been fabricated through the course of years. Yeah, let's say you have to go uh, to the truth, to what does the job. If what you have does not do the job and does not comply with Rife's descriptions, perhaps it's not correct. In the true, uh, um, you don't need a very high power if you know how to configure the entire parameters of the machine, I mean the electrical parameters. If you have the correct uh, uh, filling, uh, the correct pressure, the correct distance between electrodes, uh, and also the correct more, because the more is the one which uh, can shift uh, the wavelengths. We will see more of this later on. Uh, you can do it. Even 30 watts uh, may be enough for achieving uh, the purpose. Okay. Because the box itself hasn't got much calling, certainly not in, in the photo anyway. It's got a few small holes in the top. Maybe it's got <laughs> slots in the back. But for okay. It may be designed to work next to a wall. It certainly doesn't seem to have much. Okay, okay. the thing of the cooling is something we, we tried also. Uh, technically, you are not uh, in the need to use such big plasma balloons. Uh, you can use like, uh, today we have flash lamps, flash tubes. Yes. They are very narrow. They can be with an inner diameter of three, four millimeters. And those heat a lot, of course, because the plasma touches the, gl the glass envelope, actually. Yes. So the purpose of ha having such a big boil was exactly this. The plasma is confined inside, in the middle of the boil, and uh, the surrounding air makes like an insulator. And so you perceive like uh, the tube is running cool. But in the true, in, in the middle, it's running at the correct plasma levels. Okay. Okay. Rife did not use the term wavelengths. Instead, he used the term frequencies or frequencies of light. If you check his pattern, patents or any other documents, very, very rarely he mentions wavelengths. He always talks about frequencies of light or, or just frequencies. This led to confusion because all thought that the working principle was in frequencies, low frequency to radio frequency or mortal oscillatory rates instead of wavelengths. 
the documentation I've seen has got wavelengths as well. He's talking about 80 meters and one uh, less than quarter of 1% is the tolerance in wavelengths. So yes. I think there's certainly a lot of confusion there. Uh, you have to read all the uh, RIFE documentation with an eye of the age when they were written. Otherwise, if you try to use the modern uh, uh, words uh, or, or scientific words reading his documents, you won't come up with what he was doing. Okay. So what were Mars for then? We are quoting, you need to understand that you must mimic the microscope in what it does to light up the virus so you can see them. The machine must work on the same principle as the microscope. John Crane to John Bedini. An electronic gun and a reflector target. Arrive from some patent application. Now, I have somewhere another point where uh, Raif describes uh, his beam ray as uh, uh, a plasma gun, an electron gun. I couldn't find an exact uh, place where he wrote this, but, uh, sorry. <laughs> Basically, mortal oscillatory rates are frequency, frequencies used to pump a plasma tube like an electron gun so that it can emit a certain band of wavelengths. So what are we saying here? Uh, that's common laser knowledge today. Uh, an electron gun is a, a common thing and uh, it's just a plasma tube which is pumped by a frequency which is a, a, a more uh, to shift the spectrum. Uh, they use it uh, in any scientific application nowadays. So today we have the equi equations we have the knowledge and we have uh, the know-how to build uh, uh, rife machines, uh, how they should be. Um, now we will see exactly how this works. A real beam ray mimics what nowadays we call tunable lasers. However, at the time, lasers were not available yet. Therefore, flash lamp technology was used. Flash lamps are the precursors of lasers. Can tunable lasers go down to 24 to 40 nanometers required for BX? Uh, I never investigated uh, lasers exactly. Um, we have been working with flash lamps and uh, we can go to 180 nanometers, which is far below what Rife was using. Yes, but if he was targeting BX, you mentioned before that the wavelength of the size of the BX is between 40 nanometers and 24 nanometers. 
And so to oh, okay. re replicate that effect using a different method, the whatever particle generator you use has got to transmit using those incredibly short wavelengths, which I'm not sure that's possible with tunable lasers. So maybe still the only answer is using a plasma tube in some form of modulation in the form of frequencies. Okay, but um, before thinking about that, I have to say the story is not complete yet because uh, that's what we were first looking for. Okay. Uh, something uh, which could be uh, reconducted uh, to the sides of the microorganisms. And in, in the true, we found uh, a way to uh, transpo transpose every more list uh, to the minimal sites of the microorganisms. And uh, we have the same uh, curve in our diagrams, no? So we found a match. But later uh, we had to discard this because uh, uh, Rife was using a refractometry. Um, so he was tar targeting single molecules and uh, there is no, no law I seem to have lost you, Fabrizio. It's completely random. Okay. So you have actually to measure it. Uh, you have to go through lab study and find it uh, the hard way. There is no shortcut. Uh, so uh, you have to see where a molecular refracts. When you give an excess of energy, you know what refraction is. Um, yes. A molecular gets a certain beam of light or wavelength, let's say. It can take, it can absorb some of it, which becomes heat. And this is very similar to resonance but uh, it can uh, release some. A perfect resonance would be uh, it cannot hold the charge anymore until it breaks. Well, Rife was not using this. Rife was uh, needed to see under his microscope what was happening. So the molecule was heating and reaching its critical limit, but at the same time it was refracting a part of light at a different wavelength. It acts like a filter. And this was bringing to the visible the molecular. So the, the beaks, which you can see because uh, it's so small, because of refraction, you could see it because the targeted molecule uh, was broadcasting uh, a, a, a refracted beam in the visible uh, area. So what happens when you exceed the power handling 
of refraction, you get a shattering. So this is basically how it was working. Uh, now let's go back to the to the screen. We can go to the next one. Still in the general consideration. What is a fanatron? A fanatron is a modern term invented by past rife, uh, post rife developers. Rife never used one. So here at the right, we see a true fanatron. Uh, it's a diode. It has nothing to do with uh, what we use today to run uh, Rife machines. What Rife was using, the closest thing was a Coolidge Universal X-Ray tube, which is pictured uh, in the background. And here we see the original Rife tube which he used throughout his early research. We see on, on top, on the right, this same uh, uh, tube, which is in the background. This is a preferred safety X-ray tubes, and we were the first ones uh, to find this out. It's a beautiful, see, it's a beautiful tube, isn't it? Yes. Uh, those were made actually uh, in uh, soda glass, but the window, you see there is the mirror at 45 degrees and down there is a sort of cylinder. Uh, on top of that cylinder, there is a window in quartz or something which has more transmittance. You can see the power levels of early Rife machines. Look at the image on top, on the right, and it's completely black. Even this tube in the background, which was used barely, not so much, is already darkened. So this means uh, the, the power level needs to be appropriate. In this case, um, the distance between the two electrodes is quite big. So the power used in those early machines were much higher than in uh, Hoyland or, or modern Rife machines. Those uh, X-ray tubes were not uh, vacuum tubes, but contained 14 tor of air. So Rife substituted the, the air with 50, uh, 14 tor of helium. Helium can pass a spectral bandwidth down to about 220 nanometers. In comparison, xenon can pass a spectral band down to about uh, 250 nanometers. So it would not hit the BX, for example. 
Okay, now the BX is still lower than 220. So th there's something else at play. No, it's uh, uh, a bit higher than uh, 220. We don't give it, but I can say um, that's why we found the whole thing because Rife gave the chemical constituents of the BX. So we could analyze those constituents, and from there we we were able to map his entire um, absolute Mars. Okay. Okay, what tubes can be used nowadays? The closest thing to an early rife tube is that um, that is commercially available nowadays is quartz DC arc tubes. They can be used also in uh, full cell mode. Only electrodes uh, won't uh, withstand so long. But basically, Every tube Rife used in his life was a DC tube. So he always used the DC tubes improperly. Uh, we can do that too because materials today are much better than at Rife's time. So we have a better chance of uh, uh, designing uh, working machines uh, that uh, have a much longer life okay so you're you're saying that the earliest rife machines did not use any dc offset or dc carrier if you like if you like the truth yes they all were dc carrier yes they are oh, they, they were dc carrier Yes, because all uh, X-ray production was made through DC at the time. And he superimposed upon the DC the AC signal. No, Reif uh, uh, never used the DC. He used uh, a pulsed carrier wave plus uh, MR. We will see uh, a plot uh, later on. Okay. So those uh, modern arc tubes uh, use a lot of energy because one uh, like this picture in the background can easily need like one kilowatt to sustain the arc. The electrodes are not anymore like a mirror. They are not two discs. They are uh, like uh, cylinders at 45 degrees. This means uh, they would broadcast at, at 45 degrees, but uh, uh, 36, um, 360 degrees around the room <laughs> where you are in. So you need to shield this and put some reflector which directs the beam and can focus it. Okay. This is a way, for example, to use a, a modern quartz DC tube. Okay. Okay. Here we have 
how a nearly rough machine was supposed to work. It had two components. First, a high voltage underdamped carrier wave pulsed at around one kilohertz. This is simply a Tesla coil, let's say, a modified Tesla coil or a diathermy machine. Uh, in my books, I publish uh, some schematics or of original uh, Fisher diathermy machines that Rife was using. Uh, today, we would say this is very poor understanding of how um, a plasma tube should be driven. Nobody would use an underdamped carrier wave because it destroys uh, quickly the components, the plasma tube also. There is a better way to do it now. But anyway, this is what Rife was using. So a Tesla coil plus a sign generator, which was uh, in the audio or up to the radio waves. And this was the magic shape of his wave that, that was devitalizing microorganisms. Okay. Now, did Rife use only a single uh, means to destroy microorganisms or was there a mix of effects? Well, we found um, there are three main effects. One we called, uh, maybe improperly, but it gives the idea, the optical effect. Then we have the electromagnetic effect and then the thermal effect. Each of them contributes to microbial inactivation to a certain extent. They can be also used separately with differing germicidal effectiveness. The optical and thermal effects being the strongest and quickest ones. Now, there is also in this uh, slide a reference to the material of the plasma tube. Uh, below, uh, on the right, you see glass filter. So, in this case, we used uh, a, a xenon flash tube and we put in front of it a glass filter, uh, a soda glass filter. And you see that even if uh, we were using uh, very high powers on Bacillus subtilis, it was having no effect. It didn't kill it. With Pyrex, we could uh, achieve some inactivation uh, at very, very high uh, power levels. Uh, you see, we did not uh, even achieve one log of inactivation. Uh, inactivation is calculated uh, in a logarithmic, logarithmic way. Uh, if you reach what is called D90, uh, or 
the destruction of 90% of the colony of microorganisms uh, in one log, then uh, you can say you are effective. Now you just change the filter and you, you don't use a filter, you use simple fused quartz and you see that with very small energy you achieve four logs of inactivation. When you increase actually uh, the power of the machine you don't get much of a, a difference. You don't, you don't get uh, five, six, seven logs. You stay close to the four logs. So that's why you can optimize the delivered energy or the power of the machine using the proper components, in which case is a quartz tube. That's one thing I'd like you to ask you, Fabrizio. In the x-axis, you've got five kilowatts on the first division per centimeter. That's a terrific amount of energy. Am oh, reading, yes, yes. Am I reading that correctly? Okay. Uh, you must uh, know that um, we are talking about uh, pulsed energy. So pulsed energy can reach uh, 30,000 kilowatts uh, in a fraction of a second. Uh, we are not talking about the DC. Okay. And so the instantaneous power delivery of the early Rife machines could reach yes. those values. Wow. Okay. Yes. This was what Rife was referring to as the spikes kill. That's a spike of power, all in a fraction of a second. Okay. So is this why he had his machines running off battery? to deliver the instantaneous power as opposed to using reticulated power and capacitive banks, perhaps? Yes, well, uh, we also um, change uh, the energy to DC before pulsing it, so... Okay. Yes, you never use AC directly because you don't need uh, 60 or, or 50 hertz you need higher frequencies. Yes, but it's, I'm looking at the impedance of the supply to deliver five kilowatts per centimeter, the instantaneous power. It must be a very low impedance power supply. And generally, if you've got a AC that's going through a rig to fire to make it DC in a bank of capacitors, you need to have quite a lot of capacitors to produce that instantaneous power or perhaps a DC battery bank, which again have got very high short circuit capabilities. They can deliver the instantaneous energy if you like. Mm, but uh, I don't think uh, a battery uh, bank uh, would reach such intensity very quickly at the desired uh, okay. voltage because you need to operate at high voltage also. Okay. Uh, I can say we have all the equations uh, now, and uh, if you calibrate correctly, the parameters 
of the plasma tube and I will say every plasma tube uh, is manufactured by hand. You don't have two identical plasma tubes. Every, everyone has a, a difference between the positioning of the electrodes or the gas field or anything. No? Sure. So uh, you need to calibrate every machine and uh, um, calculating the impedance of the um, plasma tube, you are able to couple the discard, discharge from the capacitors at the correct impedance and then um, decide uh, in uh, which fraction of a second you need uh, that quantity of energy delivered at once. So you play on the, on the timing. Uh, if you enlarge the timing of setting the the answer from the um, inductance, then uh, it the light the beam lasts longer, but does does not reach the required intensity. You need to tune it so that uh, you have a real flash in a real. Um, fraction of a second. Usually we talk about, uh, I think, uh, 20 microseconds, something like this. Gosh, well, if it's 20 microseconds, and the frequencies that he was using was something like 1.6 megahertz, we're only talking about 30 cycles. And it might take about 10, 15 of those cycles to reach the peak amplitude. So it's very brief application yes. times. Wow, yes. ballpark calculations here. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Oh, now we go exactly to describe the three effects. The optical effect. Rife was targeting the main chemical constituents, molecules, of microorganisms. Each molecule has its distinctive absorption spectrum and refracts light in a different way. The refractive wavelength allowing to stain a microorganism through coordination with its molecular composition, optical resonance, and see it in its complementary color, higher visible wavelength can be used to devitalize it given the right power level. The optical effect is the main one in the mix, which is found in no modern Rife machine replica. It works mostly instantly, single hit operation, but it has low penetration. It links Rife's microscopes to his machines and is the real working principle. Very interesting, very interesting. Then we have the, the electromagnetic effect. The EM field is a secondary effect contributing with a vibrational and rotational force. Microorganisms are caught in the loop of the shaking effect and eventually become stressed up to a point that their outer wall ruptures. 
this effect is made of the carrier wave and the more themselves. Depending on the carrier, skin impedance blocks certain frequencies, it may have either a better or worse penetration. The EM effect works randomly. When it has some effect, it takes hours. In the long term, it fails to produce consistent results as microorganisms develop resistance to it and adapt. And that's exactly the principle on which all modern rife machines are built on. Now you're saying skin impedance. Can you expand on that a little bit, please? Could you explain? Uh, yes, the electromagnetic effect uh, is what is produced by the, the carrier plus the uh, more waves. So, um, as we said, it's like um, making a, an earthquake. Uh, in the skin, you know, um, the human tissue is very complex. Uh, that's why uh, it is not uh, readily affected by a rife machine, but uh, a virus, a bacteria, is a simple structure. Uh, that way it is much more subject to, uh, to shaking effect or vibration or uh, anything that might happen. Uh, anyway, we are talking here like uh, the earthquake, earthquake, so the structures in the body should start to dance, squeeze, move, vibrate, uh, and mechanically squeeze the virus or the bacteria which it finds in the way, just by chance. And so you're saying it's more like a macro effect, the complete... Yes. It's a macro effect, exactly. It also has some other qualities because uh, it stimulates uh, um, the blood uh, to circulate, uh, the exchange of um, uh, nutrients. Mm, the, the body has less work to do and is helped by this and so you see like it has a, a nice reaction because the person feels better, feels energetic. Uh, but uh, again, it's like uh, an earthquake. So it has a limited effect on, on the microorganisms. And the skin impedance, we're not talking about human skin, we're talking about cellular membranes. Is yes. Okay, good. Yes. Okay. Uh, here we have, uh, yes, longitudinal, longitudinal waves or uh, everything that uh, is produced by the, an electromagnetic field. Then, this is one of the best ways in my opinion and there are patents you know there is also an, a company Oncotherm in Germany who are exploiting the thermal effect and uh, putting also some rife frequencies uh, in the mix 
Pulsed uh, bursts of electromagnetic waves induce heating. Unlike the heat from a fire, which heats from the outside to the inside, this effect starts from the inside and goes to the outside. Therefore, it has good penetration, the best one in the mix. The sudden heating leads to cell wall rupture in microorganisms. Cancer cells cannot dissipate heat well as normal cells do. Therefore, they die first. However, their ter thermal death point is very close to that of normal cells, requiring a perfect control of administered dose. The photothermal effect, optical plus thermal effect, is the workhorse of a rife machine. But the thermal effect is a secondary effect of the electromagnetic one. The three do not come separate. So, uh, thermal death of cancer cells, microorganisms, really works. The issue is that uh, uh, a few, a few, how can I say, a few fractions uh, of a degree, and you are killing normal cells also. So that's the big issue. But when the three effects are combined, uh, you have a much stronger impact. Each effect helps the other one. I'm looking at the graphic in the background, which is very interesting. It's talking about the penetration depth. And we're yes. very, we're just getting past the phys, the skin of the subject, just through the epidermis, subcutaneous at the bottom there, and so it's really not getting through to any internal cancers if we're relying. Well, I guess this must be for the optical side, the infrared B, infrared C, uh, yeah, the A, B, and C. Yes, truly, it can penetrate. Till uh, the muscle, muscles, also. but not much below that. Not really to internal organs, and certainly not through bone. Uh, well, the issue is uh, uh, organs uh, will contain a lot of uh, liquids usually, no? Sure. So this will shield the thermal effect and reduce it. I understand. But the graph is indicating light, so it's more optical rather than thermal, I guess. So uh, no, truly, truly no. This schematics is about the thermal effect, not optical. Okay. Because this was taken from a, a parallel application. You might have heard about uh, IPL lamps. Yes, sure. Okay, that's the same. If you want to build a one-shot rife machine, just take an IPL machine, change the the glass, the filter, and remove the, <laughs> remove the glass because uh, it has already a quartz uh, flash lamp. Okay, uh, and go with that, and you would achieve uh, all uh, rives uh, wavelengths at once. <laughs> 
but not at the powers though, because it's at so many frequencies that at each particular frequency, the energy will be insignificant. No, the energy of IPL machines is very strong. It can literally melt your internal pores and hair and it also produces a, a stronger uh, irritation on the skin. It becomes a red. You need to take painkillers. <laughs> it's very strong. <laughs> no, I've actually, um, I was thinking about a different machine, which is just basically a, a, a desk lamp with a filter in the front. But IPO, I recall now, but intense pulse laser. And so it's very, very bright. But the wavelengths won't be broad spectrum, surely. I thought they'd be quite narrow the wavelengths being transmitted yes and it's still sufficient to do the same effect if you remove any filtering as a rife machine yes you can filter and get uh, what you want exactly yes wow very interesting okay then we go to our lab experiments how we found all this out this is a quartz tube uh, filled with uh, helium, which was manufactured by Bill Cab in Canada, just for us under our specifications. It has, uh, you don't see it from the light, but it has the electrodes exactly like uh, Rife was using, two yes. discs and one at 45 degrees. Yes. We didn't feel to do the the big ball to dissipate the heat, and we have a wall stabilized plasma in this case. So, uh, with a lower more, you see the spectral output. We can say it is centered more around between 500 and 700. I would say. Those are the big peaks. The color is reddish, let's say, or pink. And so just clarifying, the x-axis is nanometers. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Now we go to the next one. And you see a big change in color. We rise it up the more and it became very blue. The spectrum shows that it shifted almost around uh, 200 uh, nanometers. Okay. Uh, now we have to say uh, rife tubes always emit a broad spectrum. You never have, like in a laser, a single. Um, bandwidth, uh, wavelength, I mean. Uh, you have all the previous wavelengths, but the spectral band shifts or changes. Yes. You can, you can see from here, the first one, uh, look up uh, the, on the left, how the spe that spectral band rises. Yes. The other two peaks, uh, the big ones on the right, uh, stay there. Uh, sorry. 
they become a little more empowered, by, but basically they are the same. What changes is that we are going toward UV, ultraviolet. Now, you know, Rife uh, in the 20s was saying, uh, unfortunately, I could not patent my discovery because somebody was quicker than me. Well, we have his his original uh, uh, patents and we know exactly uh, why he was doing this and uh, uh, how he was shifting the spectrum. Now he's using frequencies to shift the spectrum. Can the spectrum also be modified by controlling DC passing through a tube? Uh, DC, I would not talk about DC. The best ways to control the spectrum are uh, through voltage change, simply, which is the <laughs> easiest. I think uh, uh, Rive chose the, the most complicated path, which is using Morse. You can do that, but I don't see it uh, so precise as other ways. Or another way is uh, to control the duty cycle uh, of each pulse. With that, you don't need Morse anymore. You just work on the duty cycle and a single frequency uh, or wavelength thing. Okay. So, what is a life machine? We know it is not rad radionics, it's not electrotherapy, finally it is a quantum machine. The beam incident upon a microorganism can be considered in terms of the number of it, its photons. It has photon density per unity surface area. The amount of energy a photon carries is called quantum absorption Efficiency is called quantum yield. Molecular photoreaction requires a quantum yield in the order of 10 to the minus 3 to 10 to the minus 4. Electronic transitions take place only in discrete electronic jumps. Therefore, electrons can absorb only a specific quantum of energy when we know exactly how much energy we need to use and at which wavelength, we can easily achieve microbial inactivation. Okay, what does this all mean? That's quite simple. Um, helium, Rife chose helium because he could use smaller powers. Helium only has few spectral lines. Spectral lines mean electronic jumps. Uh, how is a spectral line produced? Uh, the plasma receives a certain quantity of energy uh, which is enough to cause uh, a shift from, from one orbital to another orbital of one electron. When the electron finds 
itself in a higher orbital, at a certain point it loses the energy uh, that uh, pushes it there and falls back where it was before. When it falls back, it releases all the energy that uh, it had acquired. By releasing this energy, it emits a quantum of light. And this is what we call the beam, the, ray, the beam ray. Uh, when we talk about uh, molecular, uh, sorry, molecular photoreaction, photoreaction means that the capsid of a microorganism reacts to the beam, to the quantum yield which is hitting him. Uh, we need a certain quantity of quantum yield to cause the inactivation of the microorganism. It's a little bit, bit technical, but I hope <laughs> I can uh, give the idea. Well, uh, again, it's talking about inactivating a macro-organism, albeit one cell, by causing a molecular photoreaction of a molecule within the cell. Exactly. We, we are causing ionization, exactly. Yes. It is complex. It's, yes. It's spinning a few ideas on the head. Okay, but that's, that's great. Okay. Okay. So I see we're talking <laughs> a lot of time, so we'll try to go quicker now. How does the optical effect work on targeted molecules? The absorption of quanta of light by a sample is accompanied by a change in the electronic state of its molecules. The energy supplied by the photons will push the electrons from their ground state orbitals to higher energy state orbitals, which is what, uh, which is what I was talking before. When the supplied energy is absorbed, but not released back, optical resonance, something must happen in the molecule. Heat can be released till it causes the thermal death of the microorganism. The molecules change their chemical bonds as they are unable to keep their previous structure. In this case, the radiation is called uniting. This leads to instability, cell wall rupture, disintegration. Okay, if, it, if it's all clear, I continue. Yes, yes. Okay. Now, this is a plot for microbial inactivation. We see that we need really few photons to impair vision. When we go to viruses and bacteria, you see the, the energy, the quantity of photons uh, is enormous. This means when we use a real rifle machine uh, working on the optical effect, we must protect our body, our eyes, from exposition to the beam ray. Uh, otherwise, we can get harmed 
very badly. Okay. Selective death, photo protection. The more complex a cell is and the more photo protection mechanisms it has, this is why animal cells are much more resilient than microbes. What we were saying before, uh, human cells uh, have a, a stronger structure. Yes. Microorganisms have powerful tools to protect, such as absorbing proteins, dark proteins, in the nucleocapsids and cytoplasm that can effectively shield the DNA. Beam scattering is another photoprotection mechanism. It is caused by the complexity of the cell, which prevents the beam from reaching its target effectively. Chromophores, mainly amino acids, purines, pyrimidines, are capable of absorbing photons. Those are all mechanisms and microorganisms uh, has to protect against uh, uh, a beam ray. Also, it becomes more resistant when it is about to die. So I only mentioning uh, the big titles, but there, there is a long, long study on each of those things. Okay. Microbial defense, photoreactivation. Photoreactivation is important because we are hitting a, a microorganism uh, with a beam, but the same beam which is causing its death is also repairing it and uh, prolonging its life. This happens also in, in human cells. If you get exposed to ultraviolet, violet, ultraviolet, uh, from one side it uh, damages you, from the other side uh, there are uh, repairing mechanisms which take place and defend you from damage. So photoreactivation is the natural process through which microorganisms can partially recover uh, from beam damage. VIS and UV light can reverse DNA damage, especially in more complex cells. Photoreactivation may, may take place also in obscurity, which is called dark repair. Enzymes, which might also be present in the host cell, can catalyze photoreactivation and help reduce the damage level. Bacillus anthracis has one to logs higher survival rate due to photoreactivation. Okay, so reaching the end. What are absolute mores? If we have a set uh, configuration of a beam ray, uh, we would measure them in uh, uh, ampere per square centimeters. But actually, we can also refer to them as wavelength 
because uh, they are uh, the quantity of, of uh, um, energy per square centimeter needed to uh, shift the spectrum to that uh, wavelength. More lists are many because they are calibrated on a specific machine. This means they are computed from the absolute morse against the parameters of the machine. The absolute more is a more that does not change with the machine. It is the working principle behind the more. We could measure it for the first time as at a lifetime the required instrumentation did not exist. Absolute mores are the same principle arrived used in order to tune the machine against the micropolariscope by eye. They are the current per square centimeter that is needed to center a certain spectral line around a spectral band that is enhanced by means of the applied more or by other means, for example, voltage. They all fall in the UVB, UVC, DUV region, which is also called vacuum UV. But Rife said he was not using UV. How come? Rife's words were correct. He never used the UV, which at the time was obtained only by direct current means, DC. We find in his annotations uh, all the effects of ultraviolet. He was a pioneer in PUV. Pulsed UV, which has been described in some studies as having twice the germicidal effectiveness of ordinary UV. Nowadays, PUV systems may have many names UVGI, PWL, PWLD, PUVD, DUV, VUV, IPL, etc. PWLD means pulsed white light disintegration as Rife uh, uh, was using uh, always the entire spectrum, not only uh, a single slice because uh, as we said, uh, lasers were not available at the time. So he used the pulsed complete spectrum, which is called white light, white light destruction. There is a company in Germany which uh, uh, brought to the next level this uh, study and they produce some machines which do exactly this uh, PWLD inactivation of microorganisms. Very interesting. But Rife machines also emit visible light. This is also correct. Flash lamps are not lasers. They cannot emit only selected wavelengths. They always emit the entire spectrum of the employed gas. However, 
through the action of Morse or other means, a particular band in the spectrum is enhanced, which is centered at the value of the absolute Mohr. This is common operation in PWL, pulsed white light devices, which feature a wideband spectrum together with a strong UV content. There are extensive German studies on the subject pointing out that the addition of visible light enhances microbial, microbial inactivation. But only visible light without UV works mainly through the thermal effect. It does not have a strong effect like UV and VIS combined together. Okay. Does the rifle machine produce X-ray? When a lot of energy is pumped in the plasma tube and the wavelength is centered around the absolute more of the, of the BX, BY, Salmonella, Tiffy, or similar, it produces soft X-rays. This is due to the broadband nature of flash lamps. The quartz envelope filters out UV content below a certain threshold but it becomes transparent again in the X-ray range. Rive stated, Verm Thompson used to go down there and take care of Yale's machines. When uh, he bega began stepping them up and so, he used to slip a little dental film in his hip pocket. You know, with a key or something behind it and he would work around those things for a few hours and he found out that he had almost an X-ray out of it. Well, we can confirm from, from our experimentation that uh, when we reach BX wavelengths, we will also have some soft uh, X-ray. This, I published journal it was an application to a research laboratory to ascertain whether the college tubes did emit X-ray uh, X-rays, and they the conclusion was that they didn't. So I'm just wondering whether this is just one of um, several contradictions of royal life. Where yes, let's say. It depends yeah. where you go looking. Mm. Let's say initially you had uh, uh, mention of X-rays, and later on uh, when they tried uh, with Dr. Strafford or the later crane, they tried to reduce the power of the machines uh, and uh, not get X-rays because they were obviously concerned. Uh, with the authorities, so they tried to deny it. But uh, it's the simple consideration. Um, a nearly rife machine was run at 5,000 volts. Uh, he was using an X-ray tube, which was filled with 14 tours of air he replaced the, for, uh, the 14 tours of air with 14 tours of helium. So this means 
that tube could produce X-ray. Now, X-ray production starts exactly at 5,000 volts. And he was using 5,000 volts. So we have the practical confirmation just from the parameters he was using that he was producing X-ray in his early machines. And so the modern machines, which promote their machines as being up to 400 watts, will they be producing X-rays by virtue of their power? Uh, if they were tuned correctly mm, with the optical effect, also, yes. Gosh, so that's actually quite dangerous because they do use a fixed carrier and enormous energy levels. And so they're, they're actually producing an X-ray machine. <laughs> I know, but... Uh, I could find only one person modifying a James Bear system who could uh, reach that. I have a Rife Bear machine and it stays well below the infrared. It has no capability to work uh, uh, like uh, uh, a nearly Rife machine unless uh, it is pumped up very much. And it's a 300 watts, so... Yes, but machines are being produced now which are 400 watts. Yes. So they, they must be very close, if not over, the point where they're producing X-rays. Some people may be killing bugs by X-rays <laughs> <laughs> and killing themselves in the same time. It's, it's quite scary when you think about it. But uh, in the true, that's not true X-rays. They are soft X-rays. And what's the difference between soft X-rays and other X-rays? Uh, basically penetration. Soft X-rays are very short-lived and uh, with very limited penetration. Okay. So, but they can still cause things like skin cancer or organs which are close to the surface, perhaps? Well, more should be investigated. I can say if you go to UV, around 200 nanometers, you know, UV is dangerous, can cause skin cancers, but mm. around 200 nanometers, it can it cannot even go through the cornea or or, or past the first layer of skin. So okay. it doesn't pose a, a risk. Okay. Now, if the higher frequencies don't have the penetration, how did Royal Rife treat typhoid, which is a full body condition? And so we're not talking about a condition which is a surface tumor. We're talking about a disease that's internal, right in the lungs and other yes. organs. How could his machines have a positive effect and how could he ascertain the frequency for typhoid if his equipment could only go down to a, 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 down to a depth of a few centimeters, winches? Well, um, as I've always stated, uh, much more research is needed. He was working mostly in vitro, and there it works. Okay. When it comes to apply it to a full person, to the entire body, uh, much development, uh, development has to be done yet. Okay. Hmm. 
Okay, now, is there a difference between an UVC and a RIFE machine? Certainly, a UVC machine generally uses mercury, which has a strong peak at 253.7 nanometers. This peak causes DNA demerization, leading to microbial inactivation. Microorganisms respond differently to the 253.7 nanometer peak. Thus, in some cases, more energy is required. In some other cases, less energy. Can I ask a question just now? Yes. Um, now, most rife manufacturers now add mercury to their tubes. They do this to make the tube look brighter because, as you know, mercury makes the okay. stronger. Now, are you? does that first paragraph indicate that it's dangerous? Of course, because mercury in particular has this peak, which... Uh, is very close to the maximum uh, power to impair DNA. And you know, I think something like 4% uh, of DNA impaired means cancer. Gosh, and so <laughs> this is another crazy thing. People, uh, we know who these manufacturers are, they, they, and we know they do add mercury to their tubes, and it makes it easier to strike because it reduces the ionization yes. potential. It makes it nice and bright, and then they can uh, promote it as being a very powerful machine. It looks beautiful, but it actually is causing harm. Yes, they need uh, to investigate. Uh, there are some filters, no? some paintings, and they can filter exactly that frequency to reduce the harm of mercury, but they can enjoy the the other wavelengths of mercury, which well, are safer. They're not using any special glass on their tubes, they're just using regular um, glasses. Wow. Okay, sorry, please continue. <laughs> yes. Okay, conversely, a RIFE machine does not target DNA specifically, but a wide array of molecules, micro microbial chemical constituents. Therefore, it can optimize the energy level required to inactivate a microorganism. This is RIFE, RIFE's real in innovation, which requires further investigation. Okay. This was we were talking before. Short duration pulses of a broad spectrum ensure microbial disintegration. The inactivation efficacy uh, of pulsed light depends on the intensity measured in joule per centimeter uh, square um, to the minus two. A number of pulses delivered, yes, and those are the two parameters uh, which determine uh, inactivation efficacy. Yes. A type of PWL instruments are IPL machines, which are used for high removal, rejuvenation, and against acne. Acne is somewhat bacteria also, so you have proof they are working. They feature a pyrex tube and sometimes 
a doped quartz tube, which filters out the lower UV wavelengths. To operate in uh, PWLD mode, the tube must be changed with a pure quartz one and screens removed. Okay. This is what I was saying just before. Yes. This model in particular can deliver uh, 20 joule per uh, centimeter uh, uh, square to the minus two, which is a lot because um, a microorganisms usually need zero dot zero and something joule per uh, square centimeter. And this is giving 20 joules. So <laughs> yes. uh, it's very powerful. Yes. Using uh, Rife technology or IPL machines for Yout, as strange as it might seem, a Rife machine can also be used for photo rejuvenation. In this mode, it removes red splotches, brown spots, scarring, reduces porous eyes, eliminates and reduces wrinkles, improves overall skin's, uh, skin texture, smoothness and quality, closes capillaries, Technically, in order to rejuvenate, it operates by creating many small cracks in the tissue, forcing the triggering of the repair mechanism. The repaired tissue is structurally stronger and confers a younger expert. Rejuvenation mode needs UV light to be filtered out. I see it gives you a better shave as well. Mm. <laughs> But it's remarkable. I can see that immediately. On the left, you can see the redness of the skin that's become... Yes, it lifts the collagen and all the tissue. Very interesting. Oh, the Yerish Herxhemmeyer reaction everybody's talking about. Yes. On the top, uh, we have the nose of a patient and in the middle... There is the mouth. The image is not very clear, but okay. A herx is uh, uh, the production of endotoxins-like products released by the death of harmful microorganisms within the body during rife sessions, which resembles bacterial sepsis. So you can see parts of your body turning black uh, with scars uh, and uh, mm. it, it can be very frightening. This is the real herx. Uh, when the bacterial cell membranes destruct, there is a consequent release into the bloodstream of the bacterial toxins, resu resulting in a systemic inflammatory response. Uh, well, aspirin, uh, ibuprofen, uh, give limited benefit. Okay. Some precautions uh, to use when uh, rifing is drink water often, avoid unprotected sun exposure for at least 30 days. Do not take a hot bath, warm is fine. Avoid strenuous activity or exercise for 24 hours. Do not scratch or pick the skin on the treated area during recovery. Avoid any product or supplement high in 
vitamin A, retinoic acid, glycoic acid, uh, tretinoid, retin A, acutane, and alpha hydroxy acids. Okay, those are the things I think few people are pres prescribing, but if you use the rife optical effect, you must take care of many things. Okay. Now we see an example, Streptococcus pneumonia, which is a gram-positive uh, bacteria. It causes pneumonia. It has a size of uh, 0.5 till 1.25 micrometers. The targeted uh, chemical constituents we could uh, um, find in this case were uh, polysaccharides, uh, peptidoglycans, tehoic acids, uh, but in particular CH bonds and nucleic acids. The absolute more is 294.5106 nanometers. Uh, now this one is in the UV and is pretty close to the mercury peak of 253 nanometers if we want to say. Uh, here we are giving it in nanometers, not in uh, in, in the energy actually needed uh, to be used in the beam ray. Okay. From uh, further research, we found that the UV absorption spectra of two antibiotics against pneumonia, moxifloxacine and uh, cefixim and a combination of the two practically have the same absolute more peak that we found we go back uh, sorry we go back 294 and we can see isn't it remarkable that it's around Exactly, 290, 294. Uh, so this opens a new uh, field of research because, you know, Rife was saying, uh, take a drop of blood, put it uh, under the micropolariscope, and through a refraction, you know the chemical constituents, the illnesses, anything. So he was saying everything has a resonance but we're not talking about audio resonance, we're talking about optical resonance. Yes. Isn't that uh, that must, discovering that must be in a moment where you're, you'd be celebrating, like you would not believe. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, really. And uh, we see that uh, uh, the same uh, uh, wavelength he was using is, corresponds to the wavelength uh, of uh, common uh, antibiotics for that il specific illness. So through a photo sp mm, spectrophotometer, 
we could get the absorption spectra of uh, many medicines, see at which level they work, and see how to supplement them to help uh, our healing process, for example. Okay. How did you determine the wavelength for pneumonia too? How, if you go back to the previous screen, you're saying it's 294? Yes. 0.5106. How did you determine that? Okay. Simply, we knew that uh, uh, Rife was using helium. So, uh, the first starting point was uh, plotting uh, uh, the spectral output of helium completely. Yes. Then we took uh, what we, f we think is the main uh, list of morse that Rife uh, ever compiled, which is the one he gave Hoyland to check. Yes. Uh, we plotted it and we obtained a certain curve. Uh, then we knew uh, from Rife uh, some chemical constituents of certain uh, mic microorganisms. So we checked those molecules uh, and found their, um, their absorption peaks exactly like we did with the antibiotics here. Okay. So, uh, simply uh, we plotted uh, um, the, the spectral lines of helium against uh, the uh, rife Morse list. And then we got exactly the steps and uh, it all matched. Uh, we found uh, all the sequence of uh, absolute Morse for the microorganisms. Okay. And finally, <laughs> we are at the end. Uh, I wrote two books. The, the first one is uh, the one that, that contains uh, really the entire research. Uh, but really, anything you might, might think of from uh, even how they were manufacturing the Coolidge uh, um, tubes, plasma tubes. Uh, we developed several uh, custom uh, uh, plasma lamps and holders. Uh, we give all the equations to calculate uh, the electrical parameters of the beam array. Um, we give schematics for early Rife machines. Uh, it's like 700 pages and <laughs> it spans over the entire research. It must have taken a long time to write that one, I presume. Yes, this, this one is the outcome of 20 years of work, really. <laughs> and the next one is just the, when we found uh, the exact uh, correspondence of absolute Morse and could map all Morse and many more mi microorganisms. Uh, this was written in six months and has another 500 pages. 
uh, and gives uh, also new ways and future means to develop uh, safer rife uh, systems wonderful now I, people that are watching this video i'd like to encourage you to purchase this book from fabrizio or the true box where can people buy it please where can people find where to buy this book oh, okay they are all on amazon.com okay and if you can just go back to the previous two pages so people can perhaps just write down the titles of the books oh yes so the first one the cancer cure that works now that's a for sure yes. if, there, if there ever was one <laughs> right and of course the um book that was written a long time ago by barry lines was the cancer cure that worked or something like that so this yes is, yes I, I gave it as an answer to barry lines uh, the cancer cure that worked because yeah. now in this book we give the keys and the entire story uh, how it is supposed supposed to work and we give working models uh, and so which sends the that work to that works but obviously uh, research has to continue um, absolutely are, this is quite a very this is a very important step that you've made in publishing these books you've given people the tools that they can continue the research in a different direction rather than going in tight little circles and the second book if you can go back to that screen again please yes absolute mor determination the secret is out <laughs> yes <laughs> courtesy of fabrizio dilton i've got another <laughs> I've got another couple of questions, if I may. Um, yes. The first question is regards to the bandwidth. Now, Royal Rife specified that the frequency has to be within one quarter of 1% to be effective. Oh, yes. And so, yes. But, but going by the graph that you're showing where a light source was created that the spectrum of that light source was changing being modified through the use of a pretty much what can be considered a modulation it's still quite a broad spectral line that peak is quite broad still even though it goes yes on. and so i'm just wondering why it still needs to be so precise if it has quite okay. a okay okay so uh the trick <coughs> is I'm sorry. The trick is uh, in getting the exact power level at that specific uh, wavelength. So, um, you know, wavelengths uh, uh, do require different uh, energy power levels to reach a certain peak. They are classified, if you look at uh, in the and IST, which is the National American Database for Spectral Data, you find near every um, spectral line its power, which is given in number like 50, 10, uh, 100, 400. So, uh, 
Rife needed to be precise because uh, uh, a certain wavelength could be less powerful than another. And he has to tune many parameters in order to reach the required power to actually do something. Uh, but in the true, uh, things are a little different because we found there are four main inter interchangeable uh, bands. Uh, if we use, uh, if you are in one of those bands, you kill all a series of microorganisms. It's not important uh, that you are so specific. Um, it only depends uh, on the power levels you are using. Uh, Rife was optimizing, trying to use the least power to obtain the maximum effect. So he had to be very precise. We don't need these uh, today, I think. Okay. And one piece of literature, they're talking about a Rife machine being effective through walls and killing mold that is on the walls of the laboratory. If it was through light, then it could obviously not pass through the thick concrete and reinforcing to go to the other side. So how, how would that work? Would that be just the electromagnetic side doing the... No. Um... I commented this on the right forum. Uh, I should take the word by word exactly to comment it. Uh, it's simply a misinterpretation. One can read it in one way or another. Uh, let's say it is standard lab practice, like you do in uh, an X-ray uh, hall. Uh, when you turn on the machine, doctors, everybody goes out or goes in another room. Yes. Uh, it was not specified that the sample was in the room below. It says uh, it was below the microscope, not necessarily below the concrete. So it's just a misinterpretation. It cannot work from one room to another and and cross uh, a, a block of uh, concrete. Okay. Uh, another question I have is regards to the calculations that people have been using to hit the alleged MORs, which is through the use of sidebands and they're using a fixed carrier. Yes and they're applying a modulation to create sidebands in one of these, in the 35th sideband up, which is two-thirds of nothing power, it hits the MOR. So it's got, from the outside, it appears that that type of application seems to hold water because the maths seems to hold true. When you go through okay. the MORs, which were found by... Dr. Rife, but was it more because of a, a, a more complex? Yes, in, in the true things are very simple. Um, the need to have uh, sidebands only stems out uh, of the fact that uh, without those, uh, it was quite ineffective 
because of the low power employed. Uh, Sidebands only add, let's say, power, energy. Uh, so, um, what happens is uh, um, you could obtain it by other means. This is uh, maybe a clever way, but it, it was not uh, what arrive had in mind on mind or or was meaning to use. Um, we talked before about uh, uh, laser laser technology and yes. uh, an electron gun. Mm. So sidebands are another way of pumping the tube. So you're pumping it with more energy because you use the sidebands also. That's it. You could, could use uh, completely another way uh, which could work uh, with more purity and precision. How? <laughs> By applying as a single frequency or using a, a, a electron a particle generator or a laser? Well, first, uh, if I had to design, if I had to design a modern arrive system, I would not use Morse anymore because, uh, uh, you know, Morse work only with those disks and large electrodes. Yes. If you want to use, for example, a flash, a flash tube mm. in the place of uh, a rive tube, it will not work. It will not show the effect. Okay. Um, I prefer to use uh, readily available things like uh, flash tubes or arc tubes uh, and tailor the machine to them instead of trying to re uh, resuscitate uh, an old technology uh, for which uh, you barely find uh, find uh, the components. No? Well, there is that, and it's hard to repeat something if there's got so many variables which are all dependent upon success. And they're all interdependent. So I guess there's a tube ages because it's very hard for a tube to retain helium being such a small molecule. So the pressure goes down, therefore the calibration will go out. And so I guess yes. you've got to regularly maintain it. But it's 1930s technology or older, so mm, it's intriguing. The thought of using a, a part, like a, a laser, uh, uh, I don't yes. know. The accuracy will be much greater. Mm. Yes, for example, I, I put this picture as the last one. Yes. That's, for example, the future. Uh, I call it uh, surgical rife. Uh, you produce the exact uh, required wavelengths and deliver them exactly uh, through uh, fiber optics. And you can use it in conjunction with surgery when you operate a patient and uh, you can go also inside and through his uh, rice, his being, you devitalize the cancer or the microorganisms or what you need to do.
So that must be producing an ultraviolet wavelength, I guess. Uh, mostly, well, this one spans from, uh, let's say, 200 to 400 nanometers. Okay. So you'd have to wear safety glasses. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, and a glove. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask one other question as well. The, we're, we've been talking about Hertzian waves exclusively throughout this discussion. Have you looked into longitudinal waves, the percussion type wave? Okay, no, we uh, studied uh, mostly the optical effect and uh, didn't uh, uh, deepen uh, uh, those other aspects. Okay, well, that's amazing. Well, I don't know how to how to thank you. You've you've been giving so much information in such a short period of time. Well, two hours has gone already. <laughs> it's, yes. it's been it's been packed two hours. I don't know uh, when I'm going home tonight. I'll be thinking about ways of applying these ideas you've planted in my head, and people watching this video, they'll be looking at rife and, and with totally different eyes now they'll be realizing that it's not just as simple as pure frequencies but there, there's actually more to it and what royal rifle is doing through the use of frequencies is generating the correct wavelength the great correct light wave is required yes. to perform the function now i'm i'm quietly hoping that you're wrong in so far <laughs> as in with regards to the light side because I like to, you know, it, it doesn't solve the problem with issues which are deep within your body. And so things like a lung cancer where um, the tumor is deep within the lung and, uh, and, and obviously light will have a bit of difficulty getting, getting to that. To that to yes. Some it's not good, good news uh, overall, but... Uh, Unfortunately, uh, I did not present here, but we have a lot of lab data with uh, many, many microorganisms. And uh, this way it really works and we can see it. Yes, no, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on to our show. Thank you so much for spending the time to explain to us the deeper sides to royal life. The man was a genius. It's a shame that he took it to his grave, but um, maybe maybe he didn't know himself the finer details. He knew what was necessary to do the job, but he wasn't couldn't possibly maybe he couldn't explain why yes. frequencies did this. And and now you're putting a science to it, and it's good to see that someone has gone off on a tangent. <laughs> yes, a wide, a wide tangent, may I add, to throw if you excuse the pun, new light on the subject. Because the Royal Rife has stagnated. The, the research has stagnated for a long period of time, probably about 20 years. <laughs> um, and so that must be when you came on the scene and decided, no, there's got to be more to it than what we're being told. And you've done the hard yards and you've come up with some, some good information. So thank yes. you for coming on to the show. It's been fantastic.
Okay, thanks for, uh, to you for uh, the opportunity. Goodbye from me and yeah, good, goodbye from Fabrizio. <laughs> okay, goodbye everybody. Thank bye you. Bye.